Some of y'all are scared of making a joyful noise. Just make a joyful noise. Amen? If that's all you got is a noise, make it. <laughs> Come on now, y'all got to... Alright, some of you are getting it. It's okay. Alright. Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> Let's go down to verse 23 uh, through 27. This, this story is also in Mark chapter 4, for those of you that might like to read that. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4, I think around verse 30, 30, 36, I think maybe. So Matthew chapter 8, we're going to be reading in verse 23 to begin with. And when he was entered into a ship, that's Jesus, his disciples followed him. Uh, pay attention, these things are in, in order. <clears throat> okay. He went into the ship, and what did the disciples do? They, they're following Jesus, okay? And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. And it's using the word, we, we get so much, we use superlatives far too freely. I just did, far too freely. We use superlatives too freely, okay? These words, great tempest, means it was a serious deal, a big deal, Okay? There arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. If you think they said, uh, Lord, save us, we perish. Uh, you need to, you know, maybe take some, what do they call that? Uh, those reading classes where you... Express it well. Just go listen to Miss Vicky when she reads at the library. You'll get a little bit better. Lord, save us. We perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So just like the storm was huge, the calm was this, exactly the opposite. Just as far as the storm could be bad, the calm was that much calmer on the other side. Verse 27. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Amen. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> Lord, we do thank you for the day. And Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for your word and your work and for this, this passage. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, speak to our hearts from it and help us to be attentive. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, thank you. You may be seated. I apologize ahead of time. I am, uh, like I told the Sunday school class, I'm feeling much, much better. I pretty much slept the whole night last night, which is a first for more than a week, and I'm just coughing. So I forgive me. I'll try to not to cough your eardrums out, but it is part of whatever it is that's going around. <clears throat> All right. Boy, we, uh, we love this passage, don't we? How many songs are there about this passage? I mean, just start thinking about it. I mean, he calms the storms. I mean, the, the master of the wind. I mean, there's, it's endless. I mean, it literally is the, the, the realm around this thought. You know, God calms the storms. And, you know, and he can calm your storm. And, I mean, we, we just love this passage. And, and I want to be clear. So, in the context... I want to make sure I'm getting this up front. In the context, remember that Matthew is presenting to the Jews the reasons why Jesus is the prophesied Messiah. 
Okay, so it's this is not Matthew. Matthew is not chronological, not really. I mean, there's some parts of it that are chronological. These few chapters through here, there's there's things that are not chronological at all. And Matthew is is listing kind of in order um, the reasons why that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm sorry, not in order, in his own order. If you remember, we looked at his power over disease. Okay, chapter eight over the leper, uh, verses. Uh, one through four there, and then also with the uh, the centurion's servant, and then with uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Okay, so all that was Jesus' power over disease. Okay, in this passage, the context is Matthew presenting to the Jews a Jesus who has power over the elements. Okay, so this is a broader context, which, by the way, fulfills a a, a prophecy. A clear prophecy out of Psalm 100. Just go read uh, Psalm 107, sorry. Go read Psalm 107 and you will find literally David in the Psalms saying that he makes the, the, storm, the stormy waters calm. That's in the Psalms. Jesus hasn't even showed up yet. So this is, this is literally Jesus fulfilling an actual prophecy and Matthew is showing them. He's got power over the water, power over the winds. So we understand that's the context that he's presenting it to those people. But there's an inside context too. And, and Matthew, Matthew brings that forth in how the interaction with the disciples is going. Okay? So there's, a, there's, the, there's the story of Jesus having the power over this, but then there's also the interaction between Jesus and the disciples. Boy, it isn't, it, isn't this what we want, right? We want Jesus to calm our storms. I'm, come on, I'm seriously, isn't does not what we want? Can't, can't, Lord, can't you stop all this craziness? You know, we, Lord, can't you take these problems away? Lord, can't you fix this? Lord, won't you fix her? Lord, is it even possible to fix him? Okay. Lord, can't you just help me with this one bill? Lord, please heal my loved one. That Man, we're all the time going to the Lord asking him to calm our storms, aren't we? Lord, please do this. Please do that. Because, you know, the answer to all of my problems is Jesus calming the storms, right? <clears throat> if God would just calm the troubled waters in my life, I could be a great Christian. Why is everything so hard? Isn't that what God's supposed to I mean, Literally, there's people that believe this. Isn't that what Christianity and God and all that's supposed to do, is make my life easier? I'm, I'm, my dad, I, and the older I get, the more I understand it. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but him always saying, being a Christian doesn't mean your bills stop coming in the mail. Especially if you're out there racking them up. They, they don't quit coming. <laughs> hmm. I could almost go, ha, 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 no. And by the way, before we get too caught up in all this, I, well, let, let me just let me stop. Let me back up. There are a lot of Christians who literally, they think that somehow being a believer is, is you know, somehow that the, the goal is I'm supposed to live some charmed existence. We say we don't believe that, but we, when we talk to God, that's what it sounds like. Lord, how come? Lord, why? Because we think Christianity is supposed to be above all this, right? 
There's a lot of church members that think that other church, other believers, other church members in the, in the church, because they have money, they just don't know how good they have it. Man, I wish I had that person's health. They just don't know how good they have it. Let, you hear what I'm saying? Like those people don't have problems of their own. A lot of us thinking that if our life were more like some other believer's life, we could be as spiritual as they are. Come on now. Don't even try to tell me that some of you haven't walked through some of these pathways. Well, if I had what they had, I could, I could afford to be spiritual too. <clears throat> Can I tell you a little secret? This passage is not about Jesus calming storms. We like it because it's awesome. Now, let me pause. Can Jesus calm storms? And does he sometimes calm storms? This passage is not about Jesus calming storms. If it is, then why did he, why did he say the words that he said to the disciples? I and mean, he might as well call them a bunch of fools. He didn't calm the storm because they were being great Christians. Come on now. Some of you are already checking out. Jesus did not calm the storm because the disciples were over there going, I'm going to go down with the captain of the ship. Do you hear that? And he also didn't calm the storm because they were scared to death. He calmed the storm to fulfill prophecy. Psalm 100, 107. He calmed the storm to fulfill prophecy. Uh, and he, uh, The teaching of this passage is not that Jesus can calm storms, although we know he can. The passage is in context that he can do that, and that's the Messiah. Specifically, you know, we know he can calm, he, he calm waters in the midst of the storm. So again, Psalm 107, I'll read it to you, verse 28-29. It's a literal fulfillment. Then they cry unto the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah, in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. In Psalms, hundreds of years prior, and Jesus fulfills that. So yes, it's a proof that Jesus is the Messiah. But what's the lesson that the disciples are supposed to learn here? Because he does calm the storm, right? Despite the lack of faith from the believers that are there present. They don't have any faith. He didn't calm the, again, he did not calm their storm in response to their great faith, and neither are you in a storm because of a lack of faith. Storms is a part of life. It's a part of life. I mean, maybe you live some other maybe you live in some other family where people don't pass away. You have a family where nobody is ever sick ever, like ever never. Maybe you don't live in a maybe you don't live in a world where people you love hurt you the worst. So you do have trouble? Jesus did calm the storm, but before doing so, what did he do? He rebuked them for their weak faith. 
Well, now, now we should be asking ourselves some questions. Why? Why? What, what were the disciples doing? And we're told what they were doing. What were they doing? Why are they in this boat? Why are they in this boat? What does it say right there in verse, is it verse 23? When he was entered into a ship, his disciples, they were following Jesus. If, if we were to go to the other passage, we'll say, Jesus said unto them, let's go to the other side. Over in Mark, he said, let's go to the other side. Do you think Jesus' intent was to just drown, you know? But seriously, think about this. And I wish the disciples would have thought of this. Yeah, Jesus' intent was to, was to just, you know, fall asleep in the Sea of Galilee while he was drowning and ministry over. I mean, think about that a second. The lesson is not about Jesus' ability to calm the storm, but the lesson is about the ability to trust the presence of Jesus in the storm. And the purpose of Jesus in the storm. Does it look like, in this passage, does it look at all like Jesus woke up and went, or gee, woke up, this so great. I might have to go back and take English class again. I'm not sure. <laughs> like Jesus, you know, he woke up and went, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it was so bad. <gasps> Do you think Jesus even cared about the rain and the lightning? And it's interesting, the word covered, the, the, the water covering is kind of a double meaning here. That means that the waves were a whole lot higher than the boat. In other words, when the boat went down and the waves went up, there was no boat. Oh, sorry, ship, excuse me, ship. Waves go up, there's no ship. And also it means that the waves are coming into the ship and filling it up. Okay? I mean, it, it's, and it's not good, this is bad. Now, do you think the disciples this whole time were just sitting there? What, what do people in a ship that is full of water do? They bail with whatever you got. And I'm dead serious. There was, they, they might have had some sort of a pump. They probably had buckets. I'm sure there were guys that weren't able to do or just using their hands. And whatever they can use, they're getting the water that's in the ship out of the ship because, you know, that's not where the water belongs. <laughs> it's supposed to be out there, not in here. So it's not like these, and these are professional. These are commercial fishermen. They know what they're doing. They've probably got pumps of some sort. I mean, they've been in this situation before, but it must be pretty bad for commercial fishermen for their last refuge to go to Jesus and say, we did. Got any ideas? <laughs> you realize that they were looking at Jesus for ideas. Because when he did what he did, they were shocked. They went, what in the world just happened? Matter of fact, I imagine some of them are still bailing, going, Have you ever seen that before? I ain't never seen that before. They were shocked. Because they, they did not, listen, why were they shocked? Because they did not know who Jesus was. Not really. They had a little grasp on it, but not really. Was God, was Jesus at all, did the storm bother him whatsoever? You know, there's the jokes. I, I, I've, I've seen a great joke here recently where, um, it shows a bunch of guys in a swimming pool 
And this Jesus, this guy dressed like Jesus, going, all right, let's go swimming. And he goes in to do a, a, a cannonball, and he lands on top of the water and hurts himself, you know, because he can't go in. You know, we think, but Jesus just would have woke up floating on the water and all the disciples dead, drowned, gone, you know. You, you think about this. You, know, you wonder if the disciples, were they really think, the storm never bothered Jesus. He wasn't out there, like, even the, not even the, the bit of fear inside of Jesus about this thing. What bothered him was not the storm. L- listen, what bothered him was not the storm. What bothered him was the lack of faith from his own disciples. <laughs> his own disciples. Why do we get so scared when we're following Jesus? Why do things bother us so bad when, we're, when we know we're just doing what we're supposed to do? Now granted, there's a big, and we haven't got time for that message, but that's a big part of this message. I don't have time to preach the whole thing, but they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now if you're in a storm, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, well then you also know what you're supposed to do, and you're probably still not going to drown, and you do need to turn to Jesus. But the disciples actually were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Why do we, why do we get angry and upset? and scared to death of the horrible things that can happen. And there's horrible things. Now, don't get me wrong. This is, this is a serious storm. I mean, when commercial fishermen are saying, we die, they're not idiots. They've seen a lot of their friends probably go down in storms just like this. I mean, what they're saying is not off the wall, okay? This is real. They know, what's, they know what the end of this storm is. And Jesus is not bothered. He calms the wind. And see, he did not calm it because he needed to. He did not calm it for his own safety. Oh, and by the way, he did not calm it for their safety. Their safety was never a question. You understand that? Their safety was never a question. He wasn't worried. Well, why is he not worried? The same reason you're not worried when you're driving your car and you've got good brakes and there's a stoplight up ahead. What do you do? You step on the brakes. They'll be following along. There's a storm. What does Jesus do? Ah, oh, storm's not going to bother me. We're going to make it. Boat's full. Eh. Like that's a problem for Jesus. They might have experienced the first submariner adventure that anyone ever has experienced. You all not see this? They were worried. They were worried. Why? Because they didn't trust Jesus. They did not know what he could do, or they did not believe who he was. You realize why we freak out when things get bad in our life? Because we don't know what Jesus can do. We don't know what God is capable of. Don't tell me you don't freak out. You're human. Some people freak out like this. Others freak out, you know. But we all freak. We need to stop always running to Jesus and saying, Can you calm the storm? Can you calm the storm? Can you calm the storm? The lesson is not that Jesus calms storms, the lesson is that you can trust Jesus no matter how bad the storm. The lesson is that you should trust Jesus 
no matter how bad the storm. Is he capable of solving it? Yes. Is he going to? That's entirely up to him. Do you trust him? This is the question. Do you trust him? It's getting worse. Do you trust Jesus? Well, I don't like what this is going. Now, listen, I want, I want you to look at the words of the disciples here. <clears throat> Verse 25. Lord, save us, we perish. Okay, now, pause. Were they dying? Let Be honest. Were they dying? No. Were they saying they were dying? Yeah. Because humans never exaggerate. We always exaggerate. Even the people who are calm, cool, and collected inside often are going, well, wonder how I can arrange everything so this goes out calmly. <laughs> Humans exaggerate. We're going to die! We're, now literally, what they're not saying we're going to die. They're saying we're dead. We're dying right now, can't you see? No, no, you're not. The lesson, listen, the storm, has ne- the storm has never been the problem. The storm was not the problem here. The problem was that believers in Jesus Christ did not believe like they said they did. And I'm not talking about amount of faith, whatever you want to call it. It's just understanding that God is trustworthy no matter the storm. The storm is not the problem. The storm has never been the problem. The problem is always our ability to trust God in the storm. That's the problem. That's the problem. Trust the Lord no matter how bad things get. Trust the Lord no matter how bad things get. I'm going to die. You might feel like it. I mean, listen, I know it's, over, it's overstated, but again, for a Christian to die is like the best thing ever. Seriously. You're going to go to heaven, streets of gold, see all the people that you've lost, no more pain, no more sickness, good eyesight, uh, you know, you're never going to be hungry again. Oh, it's so bad. You don't get tired, you don't get hungry, you don't get sore, no more arthritis, no more... No more paying for the sports earlier in life. That sounds really awful, doesn't it? Going to heaven. I don't want to go. What? What we're scared of is the storm that gets us there. They followed him. Storm got bad. Things got scary. They said, Lord, we're dead. Lord, we're dying. Aren't you going to save us? But they weren't dying yet. And the flesh loves to lie about this one. Oh, we're never going to make it. I just don't. Don't tell me you haven't said. I I just, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this one. Hello? I've never been hurt so bad in my whole life. I just don't think. I don't think I'm going to recover from this one. Lord, save us. We perish. 
I, I need to be careful here because I'm not trying to make fun of storms or how bad they can hurt. But honestly, the problem is we don't trust Jesus. They were scared to death, weren't they? I wonder if they would have been scared to death if they really would have understood who Jesus was. Again, remember they're the disciples. They're still kind of putting two and two together. The Jews are a little slow on this. The Jews are still slow on this. Okay? They didn't connect it. And after, he's, after he calmed, listen, we know. We're not, we're not the disciples. We have 20-20 vision on this thing in hindsight. Can Jesus calm physical storms? Yes. Can Jesus heal disease? We know that to be true. <clears throat> if we don't survive our storm, is the end bad? No. We know all these things to be true. We know them. And yet still, we're over there going, why is God letting all this stuff happen to me? I wonder if the disciples, if, if this would have happened again. I, just, come on. If this would have happened again, if they would have sat there and went, you know, they're bailing because you're supposed to bail. You know, that's, they're bailing going, has anybody talked to Jesus yet? Wonder what he's going to do this time. Come on. Wonder, wonder how God's going to take care of this one. I mean, he said we got a ministry on the other side, so. <laughs> wonder what we're going to do. We, we face some doozies, don't we? We question whether we're ever going to be the same. And honestly, we do question if we're going to survive. There are moments when, listen, and you know this to be true, there are moments when we look at God and say, am, am I in your view at all? God, do, do you know where I am? I mean, I see you're taking care of them, taking care of them. Don't tell me you don't look at God every once in a while and go, are you asleep? <laughs> and you know, I want you to look at when this happened too. This is great. This is so typical. They, they got a big high. They, they've been on the top of a mountain in a whole big multitude and Jesus ignores the multitude and just talks to them. Tells them about what their future should look like, how they should organize their life. Gives them dreams and goals on how to live the Christian life. Yeah, okay. He, he, he gives them like a goal and something to search for and then the next thing is they think God's not going to let him use all that that he just told him. I told you all this, now you're all just going to die. My whole ministry is just going to go to waste. Oh well. <laughs> How he's going to free them from bondage. How he's going to make them peacemakers. I mean the whole thing. <clears throat> Things usually happen that way. There's a great big high. And then a storm hits. You know, yes! I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die. Yes, we're going to win the whole city of Jerome. Why does God even do anything with me at all? I'm never going to make it. Man, God spoke to us this morning, didn't he? 
Like two hours later, God doesn't even know I exist. Here's what storms do. Storms should reveal to you where your trust really is. Storms. Your, your level of trust in God is revealed in the moments when you think all hope is lost. Listen, your trust in God is revealed to you in the moments where you think all hope is lost. I wonder if often the reason that a lot of those things are allowed in our life is not so God can figure out our level of faith. <laughs> it's so we can see whether we're really trusting God or not. We say we're believers, but the truth is, we're probably like being called believers. We enjoy the, you know, the, the hearing and teaching of Jesus, and we like to see those special events when Jesus does some cool stuff and singles us out for special benefits and all that. But when, well, when it, you know, rubber meets the road and trouble actually shows up and things get bad, we just assume either God doesn't care or is just going to let us catch the worst of the problem without doing anything. Now, <clears throat> This is interesting. What happened the moment they talked to Jesus? What happened? The moment they talked to Jesus, what happened? Ta-da! Kind of makes you wonder, how come they didn't say something a little earlier? Uh, Do you hear what I'm saying? You You wonder if what the Lord could have said was, I said we're going to the other side, didn't I? Well, yeah, well, just keep bailing. Well, I don't want to bail anymore. Is there water in the boat? (laughs) Are there bills to be paid? Are there relationships to be restored? Is there sin you need to work on in your life and get rid of? Is there some wickedness and some things that you've been involved with that need to get cut out? Well, keep bailing. And trust God. Oh, and by the way, maybe talk to Him while you're at it. Storms give us, listen, here's what storms do. Storms give us an opportunity to see God do some unbelievable things. We can see God take care of the storm, or we can see God take care of us in the storm. Either way, it's amazing. We can watch God take the storm and go, Doink. I've, I'm serious, and we know it. I've watched God literally what seems like heal cancer for some people. Why does he do that? Because he's God, and he has a purpose. I've also seen God give people the grace, and I don't know what you want to call it. Grace is about the best word you can get. To have cancer and be a blessing to everyone that they meet, every person that they touch, all the way till they die, and... Even though they're in the grave, there are nurses and doctors and visitors and family who are going, wow. Did you hear what I'm saying? Why? Because they were just following Jesus. Well, this is the way God's leading. It might be in a storm. It might be through a storm. It might be so that he can heal the storm. It might be so that he can heal you. Or it might be so that this is your last storm. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? That, you, you know what? We, you, let, let me just say, let's, let me start here. We need to stop allowing the rough circumstances in our life 
to make us our faith in Christ flop all over. We need to stop allowing those bad circumstances in our life to make our faith in Christ go, no, choose to trust God, no matter what's going on. No matter if it looks like you're dying and your emotions are screaming that you are dying. And by the way, don't wait till everything's at the very end of your rope to talk to Jesus about it. It's, listen, you know, you know what the truth is? Most of the time, when we're going to God and saying, God, have you forgotten me? He's not the one who's forgotten. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's not the one who's forgotten. What does is, what is the truth of God say? This is the truth of God. <clears throat> are you a believer? Yes or no? Are you a believer? What is, does God say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? That, does the Bible say that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ which you have in Christ Jesus? That's truth. That is truth. Not what you feel. Not what you think. The truth of God is, he has, if you're a believer, he's with you, and he has never and will never, and is not planning on ever separating himself from you. He's with you. The disciples never lost Jesus. He was in the boat the whole time. They just turned to him, maybe a little too late. And when they did turn to him, it wasn't in trust. So here's what a lack of faith does. Because that's what he says. O ye of little faith. Okay? Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? So fear, listen, fear is an evidence that we have little faith. Listen, fear is an evidence that we have little faith. There's an area where we need to build up our faith. Here's what, here's what fear does or a lack of faith does. It assumes that God does not care. So if you find yourself saying, do you even care? That's called fear and a lack of faith. That's not God's problem. That's your problem. It assumes that God is going to let the worst happen. You know what funny is? The worst is usually what we can come up with in our own mind. <laughs> come on now. The worst is always what I can come up with in my own mind. Perhaps, let's be honest, perhaps we are a bit dramatic. I, I don't know if you notice you know this or not, but if, if we go to other countries that are second world, and even some other first world countries, you, you understand that that death to them is as normal as breathing. But we have been so isolated from it in our, in our society that it's one of the most horrendous things that ever happens. And other, see, other people see more death by the time they're 10 years old than, than we see in a lifetime. The worst is usually in our own mind. So a lack of faith or a presence of fear assumes God doesn't care and assumes God is going to let the worst happen. It also fails to trust God when things get bad. <clears throat> trust in God should have no limits. Listen, trust in God should have no limits, no red lines, no... Just trust. The storms... Listen, the storms in your life, and He's with you, right? The storms in your life never bother Jesus. He doesn't look down there and go... <gasps> 
Oh man, I hope they survive this one. Why don't we just trust him? If they're not bothering him, they shouldn't bother us. Are you following him? Because there's a ticket. The disciples were following God. They were following Christ. Are you following him? Amen. So all of us should be concerned about making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing today. Lack Lack of faith and fear also usually only goes to God when things get really bad. Lady goes to the doctor, she's been to the doctor, she's been to the doctor, and, and she's talked to them, and it's, it's cancer, and it's, it's just getting bad, and it's getting worse, and uh, the, the doctor finally says, you know, I, I think we ought to pray about this, and she says, has it come to that? <laughs> that should have been included at the beginning of the whole process. I, again, I, I just wonder, what, ask yourself this question, what would have happened if the disciples had gone to Jesus sooner? What if he'd have just picked up a bucket? I'm okay with Jesus picking up a bucket and helping me bail. I don't know about you. Come on now. If Jesus is helping me bail in the problems I have, that's a pretty good person to have on the other side of the bucket. Or what if Jesus just says, you just keep bailing, we are going somewhere. Listen, what if that's what happens? What if God says, You just keep at it. You keep following me. We got a destination. We got a place to go. There's a work to be done. Just keep bailing. Do you hear me? And maybe I get to see Jesus. Oh, just bothering you? Well, you know, I'm trying to trust you. (laughs) I got this. Peace. Be still. Maybe God does that too. But in any of those situations, what's the primary thing that has to happen every time? Trust Jesus. Trust Him! Well, He's not taking away my sickness. Well, does that mean He's untrustworthy? He's not taking away my bills. Does that mean He's untrustworthy? He's not fixing all my relationship problems. Does that mean He's untrustworthy? Well, all my mental and emotional issues aren't just disappearing. Does that mean God's untrustworthy? Come on now. Can you trust God or not? Trust Him. Choose to trust Him. Make it a point to trust Him, no matter how bad things get. Amen. No matter, never lose your faith, no matter how big the circumstances look. Trust in... Do you think God... Answer this. Is God prepared for whatever happens in your life? Well, then it doesn't matter if you are. I wasn't prepared, is God? Did God know? Amen. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. I, listen, if I'm just doing what God wants, then it doesn't matter what the results are. If I go down to the ship and end up in heaven, I'm okay with that. Is God able to take care of my family if I'm not here? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got a handle on that. Amen. Turn, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. The question is not, has he forgotten you? He never will. (laughs) And he's strong enough for all your troubles. The question is, 
Have you forgotten Him? Do you still seek Him every moment? Do you, are you still following Him as best as you are able? Do you still trust Him? Trust Him. You might be doing some bailing, but trust God. Go to God. Stop allowing your flesh to determine when God has forgotten you. Listen to me. Stop allowing your flesh and your emotions to determine whether or not God has forgotten you. Allow the book, God himself, to say and trust him, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's there. He never left. Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 9. O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountains. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his harm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Those are all rhetorical, you understand. Behold, The nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn as a place of a lot of trees, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spread it over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, an offering, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or who shall I be equal? saith the Holy One, lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number, that he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. He's talking about the stars. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. What sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. God doesn't know where I am. He's forgotten who I am. Hast thou not known Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He 
giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. (laughs) Can you trust God? Is God trustworthy? Is there any problem, any storm, any awful thing in your life that God is not prepared for? Then why don't we just trust Him? If you're fearful... Let it be an open door to your own heart. A recognition of, uh uh-oh, there's a spot I don't trust God like I'm supposed to. So, who really is doing the forgetting? Has God forgotten us? Or maybe have we forgotten Him? Trust the Lord. Father, Lord, 